Welcome back, everyone, to Random's Thoughts. Today we have the beginning of a new segment for you, what I'm tentatively calling RuneStrike Ruminations. Well, why is that? I think you can probably figure it out, but there's a new game that has entered my personal repertoire, and that is RuneStrike. So let's jump into it. What is RuneStrike, aside from kind of becoming my latest obsession? Well, RuneStrike is a free-to-play card game. If you're watching this channel, you probably could have guessed that. But RuneStrike is a card game that employs a personal, uh, we'll say, soft spot. And that is, it references a lot of real-world myths, such as the classic Greco-Roman pantheon, as well as the Egyptian pantheon, which is one that's one of my personal favorites from well, when I was a wee little child. So we're going to talk a little bit about my initial impressions now that I've gotten a few hours into RuneStrike. Now, there are a number of different topics that are important to beginning players, and I'm, of course, speaking from that perspective, but simultaneously speaking from a couple of other angles. Namely, that I am an experienced card gamer. I've been playing it for, well, well over two decades, both physical and digital. Additionally, I do want to put out there at the very beginning that I was recently accepted to the content creator program for RuneStrike. Now, I happened to start playing it before that actually happened, but just full disclosure that they did send me some stuff. All that aside, let's get into the actual details of RuneStrike. So what are the main points? Well, I assume most people are going to be concerned about, well, gameplay and the game economy. So we'll get those out of the way early on. RuneStrike has a number of what I'll call standard affairs that you have a ever-increasing mana count. You start with a relatively small deck compared to physical card games, at least where my origins are. Not sure about everybody else, but kind of standard within the card gaming space, although it is slightly smaller in that you don't have 30 cards. Instead of having 30 cards, you have a mere 24. Now, that has a lot of implications, but you also have a number of other things that play into it that change and modify what is a somewhat standard structure and then add another several layers of depth and strategy to this particular game that aren't available in competitors. So, what am I talking about? Well, you have your champion, you have your, well, in this case, runes, but deck of cards. You have a lane system. All things that probably sound familiar to a number of players, experienced players, or even novice players. But in this case, you have your champions, or as I may end up saying, heroes for those just to get people acclimated. Instead of having only a single power, you have three. Now, this other resource that gets generated in addition to mana every turn is called blood. And this resource is utilized and expended on powering, well, your champion's powers. Now, they can range to a variety of effects from aggressive-oriented ones to control-oriented ones to simply drawing cards and a variety of other things. The fact that you have these multiple options should be obvious to everybody, but just to state the obvious, has massive ramifications on the course of any given game because you have so many more options. Essentially, when you hit the threshold for these, and there are ways to accelerate your blood generation, which sounds a little weird to say, but 
accelerate that or inhibit your opponents or expend it for other cards. Some cards will utilize that resource instead of mana in order to do certain things, which I think is awesome. So there's a lot of different layers, but having all of those options available to you after you unlock them, it does take some time, provides you with quote-unquote extra cards throughout the course of the game, and it just varies the gameplay, adds more strategy, adds more depth. So what else? So we have additional things for your champions. The champions are locked to specific factions, which I like as a system in general. Personally, I've always been a fan of what the WoW TCG did and later on Hearthstone and other games that where they had a class system. So it allows you to, as the developers, have really cool effects, have really exciting effects, but still limited so it isn't just, well, every deck is going to run these. Well, it's not every deck. It may be every certain deck, every nature deck, every shadow deck, but it's every nature aggro deck, every nature shadow deck, but a myth aggro deck or a myth shadow deck would look a little different. So it allows for the the diversity of builds that a lot of people are drawn to card games and allows you to have these flexible options because you can choose the champion of your choice with the play pattern of your choice. Now, naturally, there's also a neutral card pool that gets involved and allows you to flesh things out. Moving from there, what about the actual in-game play? Well, as mentioned, there is a lane system, but there is another important change from other games to this one, and that is instead of choosing your attack targets, you sort of choose your attack targets. As you'd imagine, uncontested minions will punch your opponent in the face, but your champion will also punch your opponent in the face because they have a base attack which immediately shortens the game length and puts that cap on there normally a lot of games rely on fatigue or depletion damage when you run out of cards or in physical games the game just often ends in this particular case it changes the scope a little bit because you still have the i'm going to take damage when i've run out of cards in my deck and there's more to talk about there don't worry but you also have the champions punching each other, which adds a layer both to the Vorthos, in, as in the immersion. It makes you feel like something's happening because your champion's directly involved and not just hiding back on the sideline playing stuff. They're up in the thick of it. But it's also obviously a large implication for the actual strategic gameplay. Now, lane system, which I keep mentioning but haven't really talked about that much. There are five lanes. You will place minions in each of these five lanes. When you play the minion, it will just charge forward into whatever opposes it of its own volition. That sounds a little weird because it's not uncommon in other games where you choose your targets. But there's an extra layer here because the defending minion will not deal its combat damage back, meaning that the aggressing minion, the attacker, will get damage in for free. So if you play a two health minion in front of my two attack minion, mine will eat yours and then keep punching after that. This has huge, huge effects on the gameplay. And it may sound a little weird, especially coming from other games, but it is really cool. If you played other games in the past, such as Soulforge, this is a the, at least the lane and the auto attack system should be similar. I've definitely played other games that have involved just more, both 
automated attacks because they must happen. They automatically happen at the end of your turn. As soon as you click the end turn button, bang, everything attacks from right to left. And the sequence of those attacks, the placement of your minions, and gearing up to set up these scenarios where, oh, your opponent thought they played a big blocker. Well, I'll buff my guy, eat yours, and then get a massive tempo advantage. Now, these are all things that you have to consider while playing RuneStrike, while building decks for RuneStrike, as they will have enormous long-term gameplay implications, both in your individual games, and I'm very excited to see where the set design and card design goes in the future. Now, another topic that I've been kind of dancing around, although mentioned, is the Void. Now, the Void is RuneStrike's term for the discard pile, the graveyard, the boneyard, whatever your game of choices terminology for it is. However, there's a unique aspect of this in that when you run out of cards in your deck, normally in a lot of other digital games, you will just be taking either a set amount of damage or an incrementing amount of damage that will add up over time and then eventually someone dies. However, here, when you can't draw cards from your deck, you draw from your void. It's randomized, so it's not necessarily the order that they hit, but you draw from there and then take an incremental amount of damage, an increasing amount of damage. And this is actually really cool because it can certainly be frustrating in these games, especially since RuneStrike features a smaller than normal deck size that, well, my opponent just managed to have all of their answers at on curve and I ran out of threats. So now I guess I just die this slow death, this very frustrating slow death. But instead, here, you're going to get another shot at utilizing these cards. Now, given that you have the standard two cards per deck, two of each copy, and one for each legendary, it means that you could get some of these effects back and then try and reshape the game in your favor. So again, while we have a heaping helping of the known, the things that we're used to, all of the familiar, there's a lot of tweaks, a lot of quirks, and a lot of changes that RuneStrike brings to the table that allows it to stand out from a lot of other competitors, both historically and contemporary. If you played any of these games before, a lot of it is going to appear familiar once you get used to the actual UI. Now, one thing I'll point out that is actually kind of cool is you can zoom in on the map. I'm hoping that there's going to be more things with this base initial screen as time goes on. And if there isn't, it's not the end of the world, but I think it, it's a cool opportunity. Now, you, of course, have your usual menus where you can build your deck. You can, <clears throat> excuse me, you can go into the campaign, which is actually relatively expansive. I do have to put out there, and we'll put up some, some gameplay clips of that, but it ended up being longer than I expected, which was a little surprising. And there are three difficulty modes, normal, hard, and fearless. Now, I personally haven't unlocked fearless, but I had certain goals in mind before I created this video of what I wanted to make sure I experienced so that I could speak more intelligently on the subject. So besides the campaign, you of course have your PvP modes. You have also a PvE mode in solo where you can try and contest several bots, specifically seven, to see how far you can get. And then rewards based on how well you do or how poorly you do, I guess. There are some consolation prizes involved. So aside from Arena, you also have, of course... The store. They got to make money somehow. And there's a variety of different things aside from your usual offerings of packs as well as cosmetics. So the in game currencies are, well, there's a few of them. 
You have one for crafting, and that's called essence. It's the blue ones. You have one that's purple reddish. Those are shards. Those are used specifically to craft champions, your heroes, your starter, however you want to call it, but in-game champions. There's gold, which is, of course, the free-to-play currency that you that is utilized to purchase packs and a few other things within the client and then there are emeralds which is the paid for currency as you'd imagine there are a number of things involved that require the paid for currency quick sidebar on the overall economy there is something unique about this particular game and that is the path now the path is the path of glory or POG, you'll see the POG abbreviation if you jump into their official Discord or hit up any of the usual social media outlets such as Twitter, Reddit, Facebook, etc. The Path of Glory is the one of the primary ways in which to gain either more currency, more cards, more other odds and ends such as XP, elixirs, shards, other things. So you'll complete it by going through a variety of levels gaining experience through wins, whether it's against the machine, the PvE, or against other humans. Now, each of them lasts right now 45 days. And then eventually, when you hit the very end, which is at level 21, you have the opportunity, or excuse me, level 21 initially, but then 50 for the, the real path, we'll say, when you unlock it. You do have the opportunity to gain additional bonus gold and other things along those lines, once you've unlocked all of the the standard rewards. Now, the top track is the one that is the paid-for path, so as you go through this, you'll gain more experience and get more rewards if you shell out for the individual battle pass, for lack of a better way to describe it. That may be a term that's more familiar for everyone. Uh, And the bottom track is what you will earn as you go through the game just by playing it. Now, I know I said that was going to be a a short sidebar on the economy, but I think it informs a lot of information about how the game works. Right now, I personally did pick up the $20 bundle to get some some in-game emeralds so that I can pick up a variety of different things, as well as unlock the improved Path of Glory, so that this way I can get that sort of experience. It seems beneficial at this stage. I can't really say whether it's going to matter long term or not and just to again caveat all of my comments i'm still only a few hours into this and by a few i mean probably more than a dozen but not much more than that so a lot of this is coming with hey i'm looking at it with fresh eyes now there are a few other things that i want to talk about but i think that's enough about the ui for now let's jump into the campaign so the campaign is where you're going to begin your rune strike journey for the most part. Now, it is, as I mentioned earlier, pretty involved. There's actually a number of different levels, and within them, there's also difficulty levels, where I guess superseding them are difficulty levels. And to be perfectly honest, even going through the hard difficulty, it's a pretty significant step up where you're not just going to be able to kind of slap around the AI with your starter cards. Now, Can you win games against the AI, and what's the experience if you're just starting out? You definitely can. Even for an inexperienced player, either to the game or even the genre, I think that you will maybe not cakewalk through, but you should win with relative ease on normal. 
at least in my opinion. Now, going into hard, that's where you need to start investing. And that's where I started to craft. And I intentionally did this before I put any money in. Try and see if I could build something. Now, I did utilize resources on the Discord as well as Reddit. There's actually a website already for decklists. So if you want to get some pointers, there's definitely resources out there. And I was able to get through, I think, halfway in the hard campaign and then at that point i said all right i want to switch gears to pvp i do intend to go back to finish it eventually and try out the fearless challenges but based on what i've seen for the the difficulty requirements you're probably going to need to actually craft something build something that is more coherent than just simply the starter cards you're not going to be able to rely on curving out and out tempoing the ai you're going to have to actually strategically outplay it which again it's ai so Hopefully that shouldn't be too much of a challenge, but we'll see. There are additionally other things to be earned, but my primary focus has always been on PvP. So let's take a look at the arena segment. I primarily focus on PvP. I've always been a competitive, tournament-minded player, and while I certainly enjoy the things that are available on the PvE end or playing against bots every once in a blue moon, my primary focus is going to be trying to defeat other players. Now, there are some options within the client to play both modes, and I did ex experiment a bit with the arena and going into the PvE mode. The difficulty will increase as you win more in the arena, and I certainly hope so because it was very much cakewalk going through. Now, you're able to play the arena and get a free run in the solo mode every two days. And there's an internal timer to track that so that you can try and earn more resources in-game, whether it be packs or other currency, which is important. There's It's necessary for these free-to-play games to have this sort of outlet. So it's cool that that is an option. And I know some people definitely get ladder anxiety. Some people definitely aren't comfortable or just don't want to play against other humans. And that's perfectly acceptable. So this is a great outlet where, especially if there is this increasing difficulty level that you can continue to have a challenge, even if you've exhausted all of the campaign options, which are as I mentioned earlier, seemingly pretty extensive. Now, let's talk about ladder for a little bit. Right now, I can't say too much about it simply because I am, well, just starting out my ladder journey, but it's what you would expect. You queue up, there are, well, they show three pieces of artwork, which is kind of cool, so you can see different things in the game. I'd love to see some other options for either the ability to queue in the background and then do other stuff while I'm waiting or to have some tips shown on screen, some other things that would be interesting. And those will probably come down the line. They're obviously not high priorities for this stage in the game. But the latter experience is, as I said, what you'd expect. You get a few emotes, you get that sort of thing. I'm looking forward to diving more into it and seeing how it goes. Now, on the organized play front, my understanding is that there are tournaments, although there isn't an in-client tournament system just yet. Whether that will materialize, we'll have to wait and see, but I'm hoping that it does show up after having experienced that with other games. It is a godsend, and I definitely look forward to that as compared to trying to utilize third-party tools in order to, to get at that competitive environment. So, I think that'll do it for this particular section. Let's jump into the next. As a quick addendum to the UI, this isn't really UI related, but it is something that relates to visuals, so that's why I'm kind of bringing that up. 
I want to talk a little bit about the art, and I actually really enjoy the art in this particular game. I know for some people it is enormously important. For me, as long as the art is, we'll say, not atrocious, <laughs> it it's pretty much fine for me, personally. However, I do have to say that I, I do enjoy the art in this game. I've found a number of things that are already becoming favorites that I enjoy the aesthetic appeal <laughs> for them. The overall arena that you are literally playing in that kind of looks like the Coliseum is definitely interesting. I think there's an opportunity there for more boards or things along those lines. But again, not not super important. Overall, I'm pretty pleased with the art. And if you are, it's always going to be subjective as to whether you personally find it appealing. But I think that this is one that you could definitely look at and be comfortable with. It's not as stylized as I've seen other games. It's not as photorealistic as some other games, and therefore it kind of fits this middle ground for me. You're going to have to take a peek at it for yourself if to make that decision. I can't really say either way overall, as in I don't, I'm not an art critic. I can't say, yes, this is objectively good or bad, but I think that the art is acceptable and therefore... We'll go with it. So what are my final thoughts on my initial impressions of RuneStrike? They're actually pretty positive, to be perfectly honest. I have enjoyed my brief time with it so far. I expect that I'm going to be playing a fair amount of it, and I'm looking forward to streaming it, actually, because I think that there's still a lot of opportunities in this space, the digital card game space, to have a lot of unique and fun experiences. And I'm enjoying what's going on so far. There's some deck ideas that I've already begun to develop. There's definitely some cards that I'm excited about trying to either acquire or utilize or both, I guess, depending on which aspect you want to look at and which factions, which things, how they tie together. The campaign is interesting. As mentioned, I'm looking forward to seeing if it materializes in future ones and where that goes since I'm jumping in. And there's already an existing addendum to the campaign with Ra apparently trying to destroy the world. So we'll, once I get through that, I'll have more information and can talk about it more intelligently. But right now, I've just been challenged by Jupiter and managed to successfully complete that on the early difficulties. So as I said, I'm going to be playing more RuneStrike. I'm going to be streaming more RuneStrike, and I'm going to be talking about more RuneStrike. So definitely hit the subscribe, follow me on Twitch or Twitter, and if you want to see more RuneStrike content, let me know what you'd like to see because I have a lot of things in mind, again, with the competitive focus, but if you want to see specific things, definitely reach out to me and let me know. So that'll do it for this time. As always, everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And Black Lives Matter.